You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Thursday evening is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, the Islanders did it again. They uh, beat the Pittsburgh Penguins for the third straight game. They're on to the second round of the playoffs for the third straight season. And uh, it's pretty hard to comprehend this <laughs> turn of events, uh, both in the series and in the uh, the fortunes of the entire franchise over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's... Uh... The Islanders did it again. That's a good way to put it, right? Like they are, this is who they are. This is, they are like this big, bad boogeyman in a lot of other people's eyes. And to us, they are still the Sven Butenshan Islanders, the Islanders that (laughs) are going to blow a 4-1 lead in the third period in important games. And it's, I think, you know, we talk about it ad nauseum on this podcast, but I actually, you know, I was talking in the parking lot yesterday before the game. And I was talking to a, a unnamed writer for uh, about who writes about the Islanders, and he, you know, I I basically said that, like, you know, I'm I'm always talking about that. I'm always in this mode of the, the other shoe is going to drop at some point. And he basically pointed out, like, well, yeah, I mean, how else could you look at it considering what you've gone through? And that kind of, you know, it it resonated a little bit because it was like, you know what? Yeah. It's like, I, I almost like it this way because I am really enjoying these moments. And we talked about going back to the, when they swept the penguins with Robin Leonard in that, like 
we are enjoying that moment. I remember when, when they won that game against the Winnipeg Jets where they came back with those two goals in uh, like the last minute of the game to win in regulation against the Jets and Leonard and Barry Trotz, like they were all celebrating. And I think we talked about it then, like how as fans, we are just enjoying this great ride. And in my mind, that ride was going to be one season because that's what I was used to. I was used to one season of success and then a lot of other seasons of not success. So three years of back or I guess of back to back to back second round uh, appearances is just, I mean, what better franchise fan base than us that for, for this to happen to, because we <laughs> truly appreciate like the magnitude of this moment. Uh, and mm. Trotz even said that after the game, he's like, you know, it's all about moments. And, you know, that's the whole point of being a athlete, being a coach, being a fan is that you are, you're in it for the moments. And, this was a moment like the Coliseum yesterday was a moment. Uh, the parking lot before the game, after the game, during then the, the arena during the game, that was a moment. Um, and I mean, just watching the game on TV for people who were doing that, like that's a moment that as a fan, you won't ever forget. Um, and this team under this, these two guys uh, who are the franchise saviors, we never knew were coming and thought were coming or, <laughs> didn't imagine like ever if if you asked me in 2013 like who would be the person to save the islanders we probably all would have had the same answer and it's somebody who isn't a villain in around these parts <laughs> now and like the, the fact that these two guys like under them the moments they keep coming and like mm. who knows how many more are left like i right. i don't that's the best part it's just like oh this isn't like some finite thing at the moment like there's there's more to come uh mm. it's awesome it's, it's funny that you mentioned that villain because as time was winding down in last night's game, and we're, we'll recap both games uh, against the Penguins in this first half and talk about the Penguins, and then we'll put them to bed and talk about the Bruins uh, in the second half of the podcast. But I actually talked to my wife who was sitting next to me as I was watching the game on the computer, and I said, you know, Mike and I did a podcast on July 1st, 2018, right after you know who left <laughs> and it might be our most listened to podcast it was very raw very emotional we were both pretty fried we we also both went on vacations right afterwards so it's probably the best thing that we could have possibly done is <laughs> got the hell out of there um but you know we we got on that afternoon like mere hours after it had gone down and just let it all out and let us and you know it was it was pretty dire but you know i said at the time like you know we're all in this together we're all islanders fans and we all want the same thing if you had told me that day that three years later, the Islanders would be have made three trips to the second round and one trip to the conference finals in the, the time following that, my response would have been, maybe if they got relegated to the AHL, that would happen. <laughs> like may, Maybe, maybe that might have happened. But that is exactly what's happened. And, and they're still playing. Like, you know, okay, fine. They are going to be the underdogs against the Bruins. That makes a lot of sense. But, like, if you had told me that they were going to be in the second round of the playoffs three straight times following what happened on that day in July of 2018, I basically would have told you you were crazy. Like, that's how is that how is that even going to possibly happen? And yet we've watched it happen. We've we we watched it formulate and stay there. And we've watched this team, you know, become what it is today, which is like you said, I mean, a lot of people may not be paying attention to them, but they get the job done. When the the game is on the line and it's not always pretty, and we'll talk about a game that wasn't very pretty in a minute, but like right now, I mean, you know, and I'm I'm as as cynical and pessimistic sometimes as anybody, but like they just get the job done. 
and it's unbelievable. And I just, I don't know how to feel about it sometimes because they just make it work and they're just going to, they're going to keep on doing it until somebody says, nope, you're done. It's, it's pretty, I, it's pretty remarkable. I think what you, what you put out there is, is a big part of why yesterday everybody was talking about all oh, the Coliseum sounds crazy. It sounds amazing in there, which, you know, this is what hockey is supposed to sound like. It's great to have fans back, whatever. Um, you know, everybody, every beat writer loves to, or every national writer from Canada loves to like drop in on talk about the Coliseum uh, at moments like this to prove how, you know, hip they are. And the reason it sounds the way it does is because of, you know, what happened on that day that you, you, when you suffer that much and you, and you hit rock bottom that hard as a fan, those moments of like catharsis will sound like that. It doesn't matter if it's at Nassau Coliseum. It doesn't matter if it's at Barclays Center or UBS Arena or the floating rink at Jones Beach that I've always wanted. Like, it doesn't matter where it happens. It's going to sound like that. And the Coliseum just has, happens to be the perfect building for it because of the way it's built. And, you know, it's just, it comes through. And um, that, that day, like, we're talking about moments, right? Like, that was also a moment that day. And it became a very... It went from being a, uh, a, t- a terrible moment to one that, you know, I'm almost grateful for at this point. Like, do, do I ever want to go through that again? <laughs> Hell no. But like at this point, like you look back at it, you're like, you know what? Like, you know, if this I was part of this journey to get to this point and to have like a chip on your shoulder that big, it makes these um, moments much more gratifying. And you think if you, you go back, you listen to whether it be our podcast on that day or it it could be even something as you know general as like a 31 thoughts or whatever podcast was out at that point on that day covering uh the Tavares situation and um you just go back and you listen to the way that people talked about the islanders then and you and i too like the way we talked about the islanders then and how they talk about them now and it is it's jarring it's really jarring to in, in a good way to to hear um because this is a franchise that all of a sudden has an incredible amount of respect from everybody. Um, you know, I, I remember reading, uh, reading a preview uh, before the Penguins Islanders series this year, and somebody picked the Penguins um, like everybody else. And I was like, you know, I just can't see the Islanders being able to weather this storm for seven games without Anders Lee or whatever it was. And somebody in the replies was just like, yeah, but these are the playoff Islanders. And he wasn't an <laughs> Island fan. This was a, I think this was a Penguins fan saying it. And I was like, yeah, like, that's right. Because this is a very, you know, this is, these are a complete new generation of Islanders with the same, somehow basically the same cast of characters for the most part, uh, besides the the people who wear suits uh, during the games. And um, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just still, it won't ever get old, I don't think. And (laughs) that moment on July 1st, you know, 2018 or whenever it was, um, that is why it won't get old because we went through that. And I'll never forget the feeling that day. And I'll never forget the feeling of watching the clock tick down last night at the Coliseum and thinking and and, and being able to tangibly feel how I felt that day and letting it go uh, again into the Coliseum air. Um, <laughs> that's that's why, you know, that's that's why, like, you know, you want to trade us for the world. Like you wouldn't I want to tra- I wouldn't wish being an Islander fan on anybody in the world, but I also wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. <laughs> That's a really good way <laughs> of putting it. Um, you know, it's funny too, before we recap the game, it's funny to me too that, yeah, everybody loved the atmosphere at the Coliseum, 
they, they love it at, at night. They, during the game, they love the atmosphere and how loud everybody is. But like when they're walking around during the day after practice, they're taking pictures of like the danger asbestos sign or maybe some like rundown concession stands or, you know, chairs that have been replaced in, you know, 1991 or something like that. So the, it, there's a dichotomy there of, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we love this place until you don't. In, in which case they, it becomes like a uh, pincushion again. But uh, in any event, uh, let's let's back it up to a game that happened in Pittsburgh uh, on Monday night. That was game five. Now the Islanders are coming off a spectacular performance in game four. Uh, they basically dominated the Penguins the entire game, ran them basically out of the building to even the series behind Ilya Sorokin. And so game five was kind of like, mm, what's going to happen now? They had a great game, but they hadn't really played all that well uh, in the first couple of games in, in Pittsburgh. And uh, not playing well would be an understatement. They were terrible in this game. Absolutely terrible. They gave up 50 shots. Uh, they only got 28 of their own. Um, Nick Letty in particular, not to just call him out, but he was he was bad. Like he was, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him play that poorly, uh, even in that season when he was like minus 42 or something like that. Like he, he was, that might have been the worst game I've seen him play in seven years. Uh, but he wasn't alone. Like everybody was bad. It's just, they they could not gain any kind of traction in the offensive zone whatsoever um and but they had the great equalizer who was Ilya Sorokin who was phenomenal he was just completely unbelievable in that game and this game is going to go down in history as one of the great Islanders playoff games of all time like the, you have the clinching games obviously like the Nystrom game all, all the cup clinchers um you know probably the Tavares double overtime game right in there and, and the David Volek game and then like right below in the second tier is like the sort of mid-series games that go down in history. Obviously, the Sean Bates game is right off the top of your head. Um, you know, the uh, the the Chico Resch uh, 1975 game where he kisses the uh, the goalpost is probably up there too against the Flyers. This is right up there. Like, nobody that watched this is going to forget this game the way Sorokin played. Uh, Evgeny Malkin made it one nothing uh, on the power play early. Uh, basically, the Penguins can't get a power play now without me thinking about Mario Lemieux complaining to the league about how they don't get enough power plays. But uh, Anthony Beauvillier tied the game almost immediately with a, on a beautiful rush on, from end to end. Um, so despite being completely outplayed, it was 1-1. Uh, second period was all Pittsburgh. But at the end of it, they were just up 2-1 to one on a goal by Brian Rust. That was not a great goal to give up, but like you're up 2-1. One shot can change everything. And sure enough, that shot came up uh, by Jordan Everly, who tied the game after Oliver Walsh, unfortunately, got hurt the penguins you know had pressure early in the in the period but once everly tied it it was it was pretty even somehow it went to overtime and barzell had chance this is when barzell and everly finally kind of got on track they had a lot of chances but nobody scored about a minute into double overtime and everybody knows where i'm going with this I, penguins goalie tristan jerry he's got a defender on one side of him a defender on the other he's got a defender on one wall a defender on the other wall Anthony Beauvillier kind of pressured him a little bit and Jari just literally passed the puck to the stick of Josh Bailey, who put on a tiny move. Jari obviously caught completely unawares and Bailey scores. And that was how the game ended. And I swear to you right now, 100% truth. I started laughing louder and harder than I have ever laughed after watching a hockey game ever in my entire life. I was, I turned into the Joker. I was completely beside myself. I was crying with laughter. And my wife was like, 
are you okay? And I'm like, you know what I said? I couldn't even, I couldn't even explain what happened because I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard that that was how that game ended. And after 48 saves and <laughs> one Josh Bailey goal, the Islanders came home with a 3-2 lead in the series. That is an unbelievable moment that I don't think I will ever forget. Either that goal or the laughter that came out of my mouth afterwards. I have never felt that that feeling ever before in my entire life of watching a hockey game. I, I don't really understand how anybody who was watching that game, who was a Penguins fan after the first two periods, didn't just probably, they were probably all resigned to the fact that they were going to lose that game Yeah, because yeah. that man in goal for the Islanders. <laughs> oh man, that was, I like, I, I think laughter, your, your laughter is probably the appropriate reaction to it because of like, Talk, talking about, you know, going back to July 1st, 2018, let's go back to the 2014 draft and the saga of Ilya Sorokin trying to get him over. Um, and it kind of, I mean, who knows if it culminates in that performance because, hell, we hope this guy's here forever. But, like, that that was certainly his moment of, like, arrival of announcing, hey, like, I'm maybe, like, the best goalie you've, you've ever seen. And uh, <laughs> he... Just going and when you when you think about all the the kind of stops and starts of the saga with getting him over here and then even like the the first his first start when Cal Clutterbuck tried to decapitate uh, Simeon <laughs> Varlamov like there is there's so much into go, that went in that got us to that performance too um, that when it happened you're just like you know what like yeah the Islanders stole that game you could say they didn't deserve to win it um, but they won it because they stuck with and Trotz was saying it like they stuck with the game like they never got the game never got away with them they they were struggling certainly struggling but then they stuck with it and a lot of that that can also be said about the whole saga with Sorokin like just getting him to <clears throat> sorry one sec get, getting him to that crease like getting him to that crease that night was is been a saga and he rewarded it and showed you like hey it was kind of all worth it it was all worth it because that. I think that to me, like, and, and I know Thomas Grice had some mesmerizing performances in in that Panther series, but when you when you think about the stakes of like that game, who was against, what has happened, uh, I think that will probably go down as maybe the most impressive single game performance I've ever seen from an Islander goalie. Uh, like I said, just because of the context, the stakes, him, you know, his his obviously forty eight saves, a lot of them. He looked dead in the water and somehow got to the post <laughs> to make a save to rob somebody to rob the best player we've maybe ever seen. He, he a made a times. save that he didn't even make. Like he was yeah. just standing there and the puck just bounced off of his pad and he was like, "Oh, like that." I've never seen that before. That like was normally yeah. when, it's the it's the opposite. The guy's not ready for it and it goes right in. You know? When that puck tipped off Freddie Gaudreau's stick, my stomach dropped because was, you you kind of saw it coming. It was like another soft shot, good tip, and yeah, just. But that bounce that was what really settled me down to like just being like oh god we're gonna win uh but i mean it's just i i can't i keep running out of words to like not describe sorokin but to describe the way he makes me feel like watching him we, we talked about watching how composed he is but there's so much more to it like he is just a gift to have and <laughs> uh being in the crowd yesterday to hear people chanting his name like the khl style chant of mm. his name um hopefully showed him like we 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 get it, bad man. Like you will be a hero. I think I think uh, you know a lot of 
when you think about like the, the Russian goalies that are here, like with Shusterkin and he's in the bright lights of, you know, Broadway, whatever. And then you got Sorokin playing for the small market, New York team. And um, he, I think that, you know, probably won't ever cross his mind uh, <laughs> it, whether, whether people ask him that question or not, like um, because of the way he was, he's going to be treated by this fan base who we we've, we know how to, treat our cult heroes and mm. we we talked last episode or maybe the first one like this guy has a chance to kind of write his name into islander lore and he already did mm. um and once you do that like you're never going to pay for a sandwich again on long island you know you know you, you, you people will be buying you dinners at right. you know vincent's clam bar or wherever they go and <laughs> uh you know that so like that we know how to do it like we you're not going to get lost on long island and uh that's one of the benefits of playing here and He's now, yeah, he's, he's one of, you know, one of a few you know legends who of, even if they don't go any further than this, like he'll be in that same, no matter, and you know, he could go back to the KHL. Everyone will be sad. Like I'd be miserable, but he would be in that like Sean Bates way. Oh, Elvis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just knocked into everything. But you know, he would, he would, you know, he's, he's now one of them. Like he's he, in 20 years when he comes back to the Coliseum, uh, he's going to get a crazy ovation on the Jumbotron. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'm glad, I think he even said something too, to the effect of like, I'm glad he got to play like, yeah, in front of the Coliseum crowd, like, yeah, okay. It was only 9,000 people, but certainly didn't sound like 9,000 people. You were among those 9,000 probably didn't feel like 9,000 people. Um, and you know, I think he's, he's well aware now of what, of the power of the Coliseum and, and the Islander fan base, you know, cause I mean, you know, Leonard saw that too. Like Leonard, you know, with one in one season, he he created a bond with this fan base, and he's got Long Island freaking tattooed on his neck while he's playing for the Vegas Golden Knights. Like it's it's absurd. Uh, and Sorokin is is definitely still on that track. So they leave Pittsburgh with this stolen, clearly stolen three two double overtime win. And you know the same question comes up for Game Six. Like okay, well what what team is going to show up now? Like the 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 team that dominated at home in the Game Four, or the game that got dominated in game five. And it was kind of a mix of both. I don't, they definitely didn't get dominated uh, to the degree that they did in Pittsburgh. Um, They, in fact, they started the game out great with a lot of pressure, but Jeff Carter, who was basically the only penguin that scored in this series. And we'll get to that in a second. um, He scores a minute and a half in. And I got to tell you, I was already off the train. I was like, I, this is, this is not going to go well. They're going to go back to Pittsburgh. They're going to lose. But well, Villiers ties it again on a backhand. Beautiful backhand on two-on-one with him and, and Brock Nelson. You'll hear his name again in a second. So then Getzel scores a couple of minutes later, really just off of Ryan Pollock's leg, just bounced off his leg and behind Sorokin. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Now it really happens. But the Islanders tied it again. Kyle Palmieri off a rebound. Jerry's rebound went right to the stick of Palmieri, and he scores. And so they get out of you know the first period again. It was kind of a wild first period, especially for the Islanders. But the game is tied. And, you know, again, you're kind of thinking, okay, maybe they've got this. Penguins score early in the third. Jason Zucker on the power play. There's a lot of game left. And that's when just the wheels just came off of Kristen J- Tristan Jerry finally. Nelson scored on a beautiful feed from Bailey cross ice. That was amazing. 15 seconds later, Ryan Pollock. This is the Ryan Pollock. Talk about like Sorokin's arrival. This is the Ryan Pollock goal that we were all promised. <laughs> Like 10 years ago, this is the goal that we've all wanted to see that hundred mile an hour slap shot with the seeing eye laser sight that goes right into the goal without passing go without collecting $200. It just zips right in. Jari, I don't think ever saw it. He probably felt it go by him. 
And all of a sudden, the Islanders go from being down a goal to being up a goal in the span of, you know, two minutes or not even just a minute and a half. Uh, and then Nelson again with another be- cuts to the middle, five hole on Jerry. Clearly, Jerry is not having a fun time. That was a goal that gets stopped 99 times out of 100, particularly in the playoffs in the NHL. But that was the end of it. And it was five, three Islanders. And, you know, there was a lot of game left at that point, but you can see a lot of the air sort of come out of the Penguins. They did put on a lot of shots. We'll talk about shots in a second, too. You know, it was 16-9 by the end of the period. Um, the first half of the third period was all Pittsburgh. But again, like there were a lot of shots, but there weren't a ton of high danger chances. In fact, for the game, the Penguins just out dangered, out high dangered the Islanders eight to five for the entire game. Like they had, they had both high danger chances in the period, but like, that's it. They had two. And so, you know, there was a lot of shots. Um, the Islanders eventually started to turn things around. You know what? A great game was Matt Barzell. He didn't score. It was his birthday, but boy, he was every, that's the kind of game you wanted to, we've wanted to see from Barzell now for the entire series, but he finally broke free of some defenders, made a lot of stuff happen, didn't score, but boy, he was fantastic. And Travis Ajak had to come in for the injured Oliver Wallstrom and looked great. Like he was very active, hands down his best game as an Islander. Paul Mary looked really, really good too. Uh, they killed off a penalty to Scott Mayfield. That quite frankly was bullshit. Uh, whatever they, they called him for elbowing. Meanwhile, his wrist or something knocked Jake Getzel's helmet off. Uh, and then with about four minutes to go, John Marino, the Penguins took, of high sticking penalty on Matt Martin drew blood four minutes and with essentially four forty five left on the clock. And that was when the party got started. <laughs> that was when the, okay, this is it. Now they've that's it. It's done. And that's exactly how the game ended five to three. Uh, Nelson had a couple of shots in the empty net. Sadly didn't get one. Had he gotten the hat trick, I'm sure the entire building would have collapsed under the weight of cheering and the hats and all that stuff. And so the Penguins outshot the Islanders 37 to 24, but really it was, I, I thought to my eyes, it wasn't nearly as lopsided as that. It was, I thought both teams had their chances. The Penguins definitely had a lot more early in the third, but, but the Islanders played reasonably well and Sorokin let in a few, but he also played, you know, reasonably well. He stopped, he had a huge stop on Malkin on a breakaway. He had another stop on somebody else right after the Islanders, I think had scored. So he was great, and the Islanders have closed out a series for the first time in Nassau Coliseum since 1993, the infamous Dale Hunter game. And uh, and that was it. And the crying from Pittsburgh began. But for us, it was all good. It was the greatest, you know, one of the greatest victories we've seen in a, in a series of them uh, over the last three years. And, I mean, again, I, I'm with you. Like, I will never forget the feeling of this based on the feelings we had years ago and before. And just, I don't know, I guess I learned my lesson. You just got to have to trust the guys to get the job done because they seem to do it with regularity, uh, particularly in the playoffs. And it's an amazing thing. And I, I never thought they'd get to this point, but it's been wild to see. And I hope it continues for a while against the Bruins. Yeah, I think there's a lot that stuck out to me from the game yesterday. Um, but before that, like I, um, you know, I was sitting 231, uh, and I had my my dad was sitting to my right, and I had kind of a couple old timers to my left who both had seen three out of the four Stanley Cups uh, or whatever, and they season ticket holders in '72. You know the type, and um, oh, yeah. so just like that dichotomy of those guys, what you know how they they view the Islanders and the games and whatever, and and me, and um, it's very different because in with like 14 minutes left. Um, you know, the Islanders, they, I, I would say they did a good job in that third period of 
um, you know, playing a, a, a smart but not passive game without uh, with the two goal lead in, in that moment. Like, whatever. You, you don't want to see teams on the back foot. There are times when uh, the situation calls for maybe not taking a chance on, on a rush to avoid take, get, just get the red line and get it in, which, you know, a couple of people pointed out, like the, the fans were cheering dump ins, which is true. I vividly remember Kyle Palmieri getting the red line, like just barely, you know, getting the red line and just dumping a puck and getting off for a change. And you would have thought he just scored a game winning goal. Like it was insane. And, uh, but those, the guys next to me, um, were talking like, Oh, these guys are just, they're, they're masters at killing time. You'll, you'll be fine. We're going to be fine. And I was thinking, uh, you gotta be fucking kidding me! Don't say that. <laughs> like, there's two, there's eight, you know, fourteen minutes left. Sidney Crosby's on the ice. Like, this team is gonna, they're gonna score at least one, and then I'm gonna have to deal with. I was thinking about how I wanted to, um, you know, kind of internalize just being up one. Like, I want to make sure, like, hey, just remember, you are up one. Like, you're in the driver's seat still. They still need to score a goal. I was telling myself that. Like, I was getting mentally prepared for just being up one, and that moment never came. Um, mm. It was that was. A, a remarkable period i thought um just because not everybody played a great game but they they did what they had to do um and a couple like a couple people who stood out i, I mean travis ajak <laughs> what a game like winning that face off after pajot got kicks out gets kicked out Tra- travis ajak wins a face off to pajot tips it out to Polak for the the, the goal and th- this goes you know more um kind of more in line of what I was saying before with like Sorokin and how he'll be treated by Islander fans. Like when that goal was scored, like eight people in my section were cheering, were, were screaming about Zay, Zajac, like, you know, <laughs> the, the guy who won the face off for the goal. Um, and he, you know, he obviously stopped a goal early on in the game too. And like, he, he, he just had a, a quietly like monstrous game and really changed uh, everybody's perspective of him now uh, in, 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 60 minutes of hockey and he's now you know i'm not gonna say he's an islanders legend but he kind of is an islanders legend for that performance and uh th- like that he stuck out to me big time i thought like adam pellick um is a hero just uh, as bad as nick letty was and, and and as uncomposed as he has been in that series pellick was a complete opposite like anytime there was a little bit of trouble pellick seemed to be able to find a way out of it or have like a very calming shift after maybe the Islanders were pin- pinned deep. And, uh, he, you know, he deserves a ton of credit for the way he played, uh, obviously. And, um, they're, they're, I mean, it, you can kind of go down the line. I, I mean, the Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey are now Island, like we knew Josh was an yeah. Islanders legend. Brock Nelson's an Islanders legend. Like the two of them, uh, I, I was listening to the post game show and there's some, somebody asked Brock, like, and prefaced it like Brock, you've been here a long time. Um, you know, you've, you've, you, you know, basically what it means to get to this point. And he was just like, yeah, like I, he does, like, he's just acknowledging, he's like, I do like, there's some guys who've been here longer than him. And he's just like, we know what this means to the fans and that, you know, what, how long these get, people have been waiting for moments like these. And so like, and to, to hear him talk about it, but remain still so even keeled. It's just like, that's what's working for this team is that, <laughs> You know, guys like Bailey, Bovillier, and Nelson, they're not getting caught up. Like the Islanders let in a goal, they come back and score. And it happened three times with that line yeah. yesterday, right? They, every time, time they, yeah, game, every yeah. time they fell behind, I think it was one of them. 
that gets the goal to to tie it up. Um, and Beauvillier uh, is he's just been a he's been a little bit of like a maniac, like in a, in a good way through the neutral zone, uh, gaining the zone, getting the puck deep, or finding Bailey or Nelson on a wall to create a chance. And that line, like if if they go, um, they the Islanders are are live against whoever they play, and and they showed they were going like it took them a little while to get going in the series. I think part of that was because of the way Jeff Carter was playing early on in the year. I mean, in the series, um, but once they kind of got their foot in it, the whole complexion of the the contest, the series changed. And I mean, it's, you can't Sorokin obviously is the MVP of, of the series. And, uh, but those three guys are kind of right behind him with like Pelic involved too. And mm. it's just like, I, you think about, you know, I, I, the first series of, of my life, the first playoff series that I can like vividly remember was that, you know, Leaf Series 2002 with Bates. And, you know, it's not just John Bates that I remember. I remember, you know, Kip Miller having a great Eat series. And I remember, you know, I got good having a pretty good uh, series. And you, you, this fan base, again, I'll say it, like we remember those kind of things. And, and now when we talk about, you know, this, the, this, incredible series win it's not just going to be all oh, Sorokin it's going to be like yeah man like Travis Ajak was unbelievable uh yeah. in that series or in that one game and you know Matt Martin I mean, he, he had he had a play uh, another moment I'll never forget like the puck kind of like bounced off of him and it was in, sitting in the slot like agonizingly like mm. slowly slowly crawling towards whoever was on the left point for the Penguins and Martin just laid out and gets the puck out and the crowd started chanting his name. Like he just, all he did was clear the defensive zone. Sure. He dove for a puck and stopped the storm <laughs> chance, but that's what happened. And, and like those, that's what's so great about what just ha- what, what has just transpired. And you think back to, I mean that the overtime goal from Kyle Palmieri feels like, you know, it happened six months ago to me. And mm. um, now like you, th- now that this it's a wrap, like you think all the way back to those games and the moments that made those games, uh, you know, that, that, that led the Islanders to a win in those games too. Like you're just, you're not going to forget uh, like Peugeot and, and uh, who, <clears throat> whatever else, like you just, you're not going to forget any of these things. You're not going to forget the shift by Leo Komarov to, and uh, to set up Jordan Eberle a couple games ago. Like there's, there's just all these things now that become amazing memories uh, because like, cause it would suck if they lost, like you'd be like, oh, like I, I, you know, one or two things would stick out, but the, the whole series itself would give you a bad taste in your mouth. But now that they've won it, you're like, you know, like all yeah. these, all these go in the good scrapbook, not the bad scrapbook. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, they're all happy memories right now. And I mean, there was, they were panning around the Coliseum crowd. John Ledecky was there and they didn't quite have the, the alumni presence that they had had on Saturday, but you know, it was, it looked like a, like a huge party. Everybody was really having a great time. And I mean, that's probably the, sixth or whatever time I've used that word to reference a game that was going on that we watched, you know? And so that's the way it felt. And for us, because they won now for the team that lost, things are a little bit different. And like I said, the crying began pretty early. Jari is getting the majority of the blame because quite frankly, he wasn't very good, but the Islanders held Sidney Crosby to one goal and two assists for the entire series. Jake Getzel's goal in game six was the first time he had been heard from the entire time. Like um, they gave a lot of credit to Evgeny Malkin for coming back from, from injury and looking pretty well, but like I think he had two goals, maybe one or yeah, I think he had two goals or, or one. I'm not even sure. You know, they gave Freddie Goudreau a lot of credit. Obviously Jeff Carter was the best penguin probably on the ice in any game. 
but like, you know, the, the idea that like they lost because the Islanders had the better goalie and they played better. And so they kind of deserve to win that to me just feels kind of anathema to the way the NHL playoffs work. Like I, I mentioned before the line from, from Clint Eastwood's unforgiven, like deserves got nothing to do with it. Like this is the playoffs. This happens all the time. You know, I mean, how many, every single playoff year, Yaroslav Halak and the Montreal Canadians get brought up for, you know, stymieing the Capitals that one year. Like it happens all the time and it sucks. It sucks for your team, but like, this is not new, you know? And so you can be like, you know, there was a, a tweet out before like, oh, well, if they, you know, only got eight less goals, well, then they would have won. Yeah, okay, sure. They got eight less less goals than expected. Okay, fine. They would have won. But like, who cares? Like, they, they didn't win those games. Like, they just didn't. And you could blame Jari. You could blame Sorokin. You could blame Crosby. You can do all these things. But like, this is what I said at the, at the top of the show. Like, at the, at the end of the day, it's about who gets it done. And sometimes it's just bad luck. The U team doesn't get it done. This time it was about a goalie and a couple of lucky goals. Like, but at the end of the day, the Islanders are the ones moving on yet again. And so you really can't discount what it is that they're doing here. People will try, obviously, and they will do so, and they'll do so against the Bruins, I'm sure, too. Um, but it, it was a it was, you know, it's pretty satisfying to know that your team can hang around and not let things get out of control and then somehow find the will to win. And it's not always pretty. Um, I think the underlying numbers are a lot closer than a lot of people want to admit, but you know, for the third time, like at the end of the day, it's about who gets the win. And I think the Islanders to a man, to the coaching staff, to the front office, to us now understand it is about who wins at the end of the day and they have to get there. And, you know, would you like them to have, won the Corsi battle and, and outshot the Penguins and completely dominated like they did in game four. Would you like to have seen that every game? Sure, of course. That would feel great. But, like, they're not going to do that. That's not the team that they are. This is not the Lightning. This is not the, the Avalanche or the, the Golden Knights. Like, they're not going to do that. This is the team that just goes to the playoffs and wins. <laughs> like, and they've done it for three years now. And so, you know, this is this is just what they are. And I'm sorry if Penguins fans and writers don't like it. I'm sorry if, you know, they – uh the drive time DJs at the Penguins games are complaining about the referees not giving the Islanders any, you know, giving the Islanders too many power plays, which they didn't in two games. <laughs> I'm sorry to the athletic writers who are now going to have to spend a year, um, summer now parsing this whole thing and figuring out where the Penguins go from here and yada, yada, yada. Maybe the Penguins will be back next year and they'll win the division again and they'll have to do the whole thing again. I don't know. But like this team just wins in the playoffs. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the story. I think as as someone who you know I bet hockey basically every night and I I think in in that that used to kind of warp me in a little way towards the other direction you know thinking of teams you know maybe that their results are um they un, they either don't deserve to be as good or they don't deserve to be as bad as they are and I've realized over the time and a lot of this has to do with uh you know trots and the Islanders is that uh, in the regular season over a sample size of 82 games or 56, whatever. Um, yeah, that stuff, you know, does merit some, you know, if, if you're playing, if you're in December and you're, you know, 20 and seven and you've just been getting great goaltending from whoever, uh, you know, maybe that you should start to worry, you know, be a little worried or not, not fall for, you know, uh, false hope or something. Uh, but that, is a very like the cliche goes and we've said a lot too that 
you know, all of a sudden when these guys came in, all these cliches started to mean more. And like, you're like, oh, well, there's a reason that cliche is a cliche. Because once it's a cliche, it means that it's been used enough that it's probably true. And uh, it's a cliche to say the playoffs are different. And they are like you. What We just watched what happened with the Oilers. Like you have to have people in your lineup that know what to do to win games and how to manage situations. They need to know. Uh, to lay out for a puck like Matt Martin did to get that to to just relieve that pressure and in the regular season those moments you know Matt Matt Martin's the world maybe they cost you a goal here or there and that stuff sticks out but then when you get to these big moments uh, when you real and you realize a little thing like that goes a long long way um, and it really has changed the way <clears throat> this, this team has really changed the way I think I mean it does they they haven't really changed the way I bet bet games I still very much <laughs> am looking at at those kind of things but the way I react to games and, and, and as a fan, like I'm, I'm, I guess lucky in the way that I'm able to separate myself as both a fan and an analyst and, and kind of live two two separate lives and um, not let them kind of get in the way of one of one another. And I think when you, when you watch the game as a fan, like it, that's all that matters is, Hey, like you, you, you might've played well and lost and, and you just got to just say that that's happened. And I, and, and no, for some reason, there's no beat writer that just will do that. <laughs> you know, it's not like nobody comes out and says like, Hey, we, the, the penguins played all right. Um, but they lost and that's it. Like it's, it's this huge calamity and it's, there's no credit to the Islanders for being like, Hey, this team hung around. And I remember in game one, um, when Liam McHugh, who look, Liam McHugh is a in studio television host. He, it's not his job to know, um, you know, the, the get in the weeds of stats and whatever. But he said, there's something about this Islanders team that you just don't want them hanging around. <laughs> and if Liam McHugh can know that, right? Like right. these Penguin writers should also be able to say like, there's, there is a skill set involved in being able to do that. And also we, I was actually joking around with that same writer who was going unnamed for now uh, is uh, one of my favorite things is that these, um, especially ana- analytically driven writers, uh, people who love to get on that soapbox, for every game, for every team, for some reason, um, they just pretend like goaltending isn't a thing. Like, yes, goaltending <laughs> is very hard to project and it's hard to predict how someone is going to play in, in net in a sport as random as hockey on, on a game-to-game basis. But it's still a position and it's a very important position, probably the most important position in sports when you think about it. Um, so it's not like you can just – it's not like just one team showed up with like, hey, we got this guy. He's going to wear a mask, a couple pads, and he's going to stand in front of our goal. You guys mind? Like I know that's not a thing in this sport. Like, right. uh, oh, no, that sounds a little crazy. I don't think we can let you do that. Like that's not how it is. Both teams have goalies. Every team has has to go get two or three of them in the offseason uh, or you know whatever. Like mm. you got to develop them. Having a good goalie doesn't mean like – doesn't make you the boogeyman or bad team. It's not like – it's not <laughs> like an unfair advantage to have – Ilya Sorokin versus Tristan Jerry, the Islanders just happen to have the better goalie because that's how their team was built. That's their goaltending coaches are great. Their defense plays a style that is conducive to good goaltending. Uh, once again, that's a skill set. Just just because it doesn't pop up on someone's algorithm or model, uh, <laughs> doesn't mean it's like evil. It's not black magic. You, we can yeah. say it is. Like it's sure it seems like voodoo sometimes. Like goaltending itself, but um, it's it's totally allowed to have a good goal yeah. and, and to, yeah. for that to be part of your strategy. I've been really like confused by a lot of these articles. Cause it's like, are we supposed to just take 
1993 Patrick Waugh and put him on the uh, the Penguins and then the Islanders would beat them and then that would be a legitimate thing. I don't understand. Like, again, this none of this is news. <laughs> like what you're saying. No, we've seen this time and time and time and time again. Like, so to for the Penguins who, again, like we talked about, they they like their media likes to talk about them as if they're this some kind of like blue collar lunch pill crew that is also somehow also the gold standard for NHL teams. It doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Uh, and it, it's quite frankly, very, very annoying <laughs> that they, that they, they act that way, but you know, it's just, that's just how it's going to be. And then the other thing too, that, that got me was like immediately the reaction was, well, the Islanders are just going to get smoked by the Bruins anyway. And that may very well be true. And we're going to talk about that in the, after the break in a second, but like, even if the Penguins had come back and won this series, do they not think that the Penguins would also get smoked by the Bruins, <laughs> a team that almost lost to the Islanders? Like, you know, what if the Islanders did this to Chris and Jari, Tristan Jari, what do you think the Bruins would do to him? Like, they would have absolutely obliterated them. Like, Andrew Gross had a, a podcast, and this was, I think, after game four, and he said, like, I got to tell you, if, if the Penguins come back and win this series, Tristan Jari is not going to have a good time <laughs> against the Bruins, and he wouldn't. So, anyway. Okay, that's enough Penguin talk. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Bruins. Uh, This is your final reminder that you need to leave us a review on iTunes and you need to put your Twitter handle in it for a chance to win some Islanders eBay swag. This is literally the last couple of days you have to do this because at the end of the month, this promotion or whatever you want to call it goes away. So do it now. We've gotten a lot of great ones. Really, really thankful and appreciative of everybody that's left us some very, very nice messages. I know not everybody out there uses iTunes. I get that, but unfortunately, that's the only metric that really matters in this scenario. Um, but please leave us a review. You'll have a couple of days. It's Memorial Day weekend, so you got a couple extra days off. Do it. Leave us a review. Put your Twitter handle in there, and maybe you win some cool eBay stuff uh, from Mike. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Bruins Islanders, uh, which should be a lot of fun. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic 
hockey logos. Uh, you could use the code Lighthouse15 to save yourself 15%. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts, uh, which uh, our portion of which goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. They have a lot of cool logos there, Nashville Dixie Flyers and, and Austin Ice Bats and just teams you won't find anywhere else. VintageIceHockey.com. Use the code Lighthouse15 to save yourself 15%. Okay, so let's look ahead to the next series, which is against the Boston Bruins. Seeds three and four moving on here. So much for the seeding in the uh, the old Mass Mutual East Division. Um, you know, this is going to be a tough one for the Islanders. And I know we talked about teams that getting it done in the playoffs and, and the kind of, you know, gumption that these guys have. Um, they're going to need a lot more than that to beat these guys. Tristan Jari does not play for the Bruins. <laughs> uh, guys like, you know, Evgeny Malkin, who can use skin you can get under pretty easily are not going to play for the Bruins. Do I think the Islanders can beat the Bruins? Sure, I think they can. Will they? Mm, I don't know about that. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take uh, them to minimize the kind of, you know, half period time off that they, they've been taking. And uh, if they're going to do anything, they're going to need to get a jump right in game one, which is going to be Saturday night, 8 o'clock in Boston. It's on NBC, uh, which means that if you're planning on watching Saturday Night Live, and it goes overtime, hey, what are you going to do? Um, you know, game one is their real big chance to kind of take them. The Bruins have been off since Sunday, which was when they, they eliminated the caps. Um, you know, if the, this is probably along with Tampa last year, the stiffest competition the Islanders have played in these playoffs in, in the last three years. And if they can come out and shut down the Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak line, the way they did Crosby and company, and they can take advantage of Rask, who is great. But sometimes, you know, let's in maybe one or two that he should have had. Uh, I think they'll have a chance. I think they'll be ready. Uh, but they they can't have these sort of brain fart periods where, you know, because they're, they're going to bury you. And I don't know if the Bruins are going to just let them hang around, I guess is what I'm trying to say, which has been the Islanders MO this whole time. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've we've talked um, a lot of, a lot over the years about, hey, like they just always as long as it's not the Bruins in round one or as long as you know, going back two or three years, like just got to avoid the Bruins, but at some point you just got to beat them. And uh, now that's, what's going to have to happen. And there's the betting market right now as the Islanders at, uh, you know, plus one seventy five for the series and Bruins, I think around minus two fifteen, And uh, that, that kind of tells you right away, like two things. One, yes. Like they're an underdog, they're a bigger underdog, obviously than they were against the Penguins. Um, and, but the other thing is that I think a lot of people are just kind of swallowing up the that narrative that we've been talking about, which is that the Islanders were so lucky to beat the Penguins. I can't believe, um, you know, they got away with it, like like they robbed them or whatever. Um, and that I think is having it's skewing skewing the uh, market a little bit and providing, I guess, some uh, some value on on the Islanders in that way because I think you know that price is a, a little. Uh, I won't say it's ridiculous, but it's like that's basically the same price that the uh, Golden Knights were. I think it's the Wild or whatever, and, and like there's there's not that much of a disparity. Like I think when you convert those numbers towards implied probability, you're talking the gives the Islanders like a 37 percent chance, like thereabouts. I think that's probably a little low, um, and I think it probably would have been a little higher depending on how the the narrative from this past series was written um because like i like i said i just think everyone's kind of eating up that the islanders are this really lucky team that got through somehow and 
that's we know that's not the case. Yeah, they definitely did get, catch a break here and there, and they had great goaltending. But that's the sport that we're watching, and I think when when you kind of break these two teams down, um, the Bruins are better. There's no there's kind of no getting around that. Like that that line is uh, a nightmare to play against. Brad Marchand's a nightmare to play against. Patrice Bergeron is maybe the smartest player in the league. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, obviously elite number one defenseman, but they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're not as, um, you know, deep as you'd think, I guess, especially forward lines. And, uh, you know, Craig Smith scores against the Islanders every time he steps on the ice, <laughs> but uh, like, like there's not, there's not much after, after you get beyond the first line. Like if you say, all right, like their first line is better than the Leo Komarov line, uh, for sure. But then after you get past that, you're like, this, I talked about this before the Penguin series. Like when you read out the Islanders, middle six and or even their bottom nine forwards if you like saying them out loud you're just like oh i didn't even i didn't rattle off a bad player's name like i i rattled off sure i rattled off cal clutterbuck's name but he's a fourth line winger like that's his role on the team and that's what he does like he's not playing on the second line so there are there are like kind of fine margins and the islanders also like the bruins have a great special teams but those uh I think they led the league in penalty kill and were they're always around the top and power play but the islanders have had a great penalty kill uh, the season and they just saw a great power play and uh, you know, the Islanders, they're not like a team that relies on their power play to win anyway. So like there are, so that, that the that Bruins penalty kill is a huge deal. Um, and mm. also to the Islanders are very disciplined and don't, you know, there's, they're very mm. few special teams games with the Islanders anyway. So like there's, there are ways you can kind of talk yourself into, Hey, like this team has a chance and it obviously starts with the goaltending. Um, and you know Jeremy Swayman had a had a good uh, had a good debut, I guess, in his like little ten game stint. But yeah, if Tuka Rask gets hurt or isn't great, like the Islanders, I think the edge and goal isn't too. You know, I don't know if there is an edge and goal to to. Mm. to so it's just it's just going to be about like the same as any other playoff series. It's which team gets uh, you know the bounce, which teams best you know players step up at the right time, and uh, which goaltender plays better and you can't say that the islanders aren't don't aren't with the ch- without a chance in this like they certainly have a puncher's chance and i think they probably have more than that i just and i don't think that they're uh you know here's a shocker the islanders aren't getting any respect from anybody they're not gonna get picked <laughs> by anybody they're not gonna the, the betting market's gonna be skewed toward the bruins and uh it's exactly what we saw with them in the the penguin series this year and all the the, the flyer series and the capital series last year and the penguin series in the year before that like it's just who they are um and they're gonna have to prove people wrong again even though uh you know it's kind of getting like old but um (laughs) i don't yeah just like there's a lot that scares me about the bruins but i'm sure that on the other side of things there's uh you know things that they're worried about as well yeah um first of all of all the topics we've talked about in this podcast over the last like whatever five or six years we've been doing it i'm pretty sure that was the first time applied probability has ever been mentioned uh we talked about some pretty wild stuff but that's the first time i think i've ever heard those words on this podcast and that's that's the kind of service you get from us it's it's a good lesson to learn when you're betting right like you're betting probabilities (laughs) you're betting you're betting when you convert things into implied probability that's what you're actually betting you're not picking a winner it's very easy for justin Bourne to say i think the the toronto maple leafs are gonna beat the montreal canadians tonight (laughs) of course they are because they're in minus 200 favorite that's smart of you to say if you're just picking a winner but if you're betting you're saying do the maple leafs have a better than a 63% chance of winning. Yes. Okay. <laughs> then I start seeing value and that's a good, this is a great first lesson to learn about betting in general. It's all about yeah. probability. 
There you go. So, and yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, the Islanders, there, there is a chance like there's, you know, I mean, if it's 30%, then that sounds about right. I mean, again, for the team that, you know, that finished below them doesn't certainly have, you know, even just name quality doesn't have, and certainly doesn't have the same kind of production. The Islanders did take five of the eight games against the Bruins, but that was kind of early. We haven't even mentioned Taylor Hall, who's been lights out for them. (laughs) Somebody mentioned that this will be a, an interesting playoff series because it'll be Taylor Hall versus Jordan Eberle. So if you're an Oilers fan, that's got to be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> Plus the whole Matt Barzell thing. I mean, maybe they should bring Griffin <laughs> Reinhardt out to the, the Coliseum. <laughs> then the, the Oilers can just wither away into, into nothingness. But, uh, you know, again, I, I said this before the Penguins game too, like the series too, like, you know, there, there's a reason why they're, they're the favorites and they should be they for, for sure. Um, but, you know, and, and this is as much a lesson for me as, as it is anybody else. Like, I just at this point, you know, the, these guys have have gotten this formula down like they're they can win. They know how to win in these playoffs. And I feel like if it's going to be the same, it's going to be a lot of the same kind of thing. You know, if, even if the Bruins take a lead, they, 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 they won't run away with it. The Islanders will chip away. They'll try and answer back and try and keep it close. And if it means winning a bunch of games in overtime, well, then that's just how it's going to have to work. Um, you know, would I be surprised if the Bruins make quick work of the Islanders? Quite frankly, I would not. And, you know, sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. You know, it's just how, how it works out with the teams. And, you know, you, you get who you, you got to play who's in front of you. And that wouldn't surprise me either. And, you know, it would it would suck. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Islanders, you know, push them to the brink. And, and this thing went seven games or six games and the Islanders came out ahead somehow. Uh, you know, that wouldn't surprise me. It would probably surprise a lot of other people. Um, and I think Barry Trotz has a plan <laughs> that that we definitely know of. He he even said he was there was speaking of Justin Bourne, like there was an interview uh, I just listened to just before we started talking with him, uh, I guess, on Sportsnet radio today. And, and you know, he said they've been watching tape and they've been getting ready. So um, it is going to be two teams that that play a similar style. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a high scoring series. I mean, this could be end up being seven two one games like <laughs> that wouldn't be that wouldn't surprise me either. Um but like, you know, it, 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 and I say, again, I say this to myself to remind myself as much as I say to others, like, I think we do need to sit back and realize that this team is where they are because they've learned how to win in these playoffs. And like you talk about Brock Nelson having a very, you know, you know, a very calm demeanor after just winning their first playoff series on home ice at the Coliseum since 1993, like it just didn't phase him, you know, Josh Bailey after scoring that double overtime goal, which is again, one of the most ridiculous things anybody's ever seen in hockey in a long time. He gave the most Josh Bailey interview of all time. He was just like, yeah, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad it worked out. You're glad it worked out. You're glad the the goalie passed you the puck and you just scored in double overtime. That's your answer. Like, Mm. and it is because it's Josh Bailey. Like that's his answer. So these guys have gotten this formula down. They're all pulling. I think as Arthur Staples said that, you know, they're all pulling on the rope at the same time. And, and that includes the goalies too. And so there is a puncher's chance. I would say that they have in this series. Am I going to be worried? Yes, I am. But uh, you know, at this point you just, you just have to trust them and you just have to roll with it and just hope that, <laughs> that it works out for the best. Cause so far it's, it's been a, it's been a great ride and, and, you know, we all want it to continue and hopefully it does. And then I'll worry about next season when it's over. Amen. Like, uh, I think, uh, we, you know, we spent so much time thinking about, um, you know, the cap situation and stuff that the Islanders are going to be in and, and they are in and whatever. But this, um, that's another thing that this team and the franchise does is like, Hey, like we, it's not always not a terrible thing. Just like kick the can down the road. And 
you try to just do what you can with what you can and hope for the best. And um, that's that's what they got to do again. So now you have a very special connection with this because your wife is a Boston Bruins fan. Yeah. Uh, so how do you think <laughs> this is going to play out with the two of you? I mean, it's um, you're still in the newlywed stage, so it's still good. It's not like you guys have been married for 25 years, and, <laughs> you know, have like a ton of pent up baggage, you know. So but uh, I, I wonder if there's going to be any side betting going on or something. With the, no, with definitely series. none of that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, she's. She's a Bruins fan and she's from Boston. Um I I honestly like it's it's hard it's hard to like think about. Um like I was joking that like I was like I'm just going to go get a two do two weeks at like a Red Roof Inn or something. I'll leave you alone or whatever, but I was I'm like <laughs> I'm taking the dog. Um but you know it's like it's I don't know. I don't know how it's what it's going to be like um at all. Uh it's definitely something that I've uh you know, there's been a couple of close calls when they almost mm-hmm. played the Bruins in the playoffs. And all I could think about is the way I watch the Islanders is very different from the way she watches the Bruins and most normal people watch their teams. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's, she doesn't spend a lot of the game hiding behind the sofa. Let's just yeah. put it that way, you know? Like, <laughs> I, yes. I, I, and so it's like, there's, I don't think I'm going to have an answer for what it's going to be like until, mm. uh, until it happens. I don't know. Yeah. She's probably in the other room laughing. I don't know. But <laughs> well, it's I, good that you get it over with now. Like it's yeah. good that you know, again, it's you know, but like early I, stages. I, here's the thing too. I'm 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 uh immature and kind of like, you know let's if the Islanders win, I think she'd be happy for me, right? Right. If the Bruins win, I would just be sad. You know, I would, <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's like that's the sad thing. It's like I'm not a big enough person. I'm a big enough person to admit that, but I'm also not, I'm not a big enough person to get over that. And, um, we just, you know, I know that I'm going to hate Brad Marchand for the next two weeks. And I think that's one of the hilarious things about the playoffs is last night, you know, about 24 hours ago to the, to the moat, to the minute I was standing on the Coliseum, you know, concrete swearing at Sidney Crosby. And now I have mm. to just put that behind me and get, you get ready to, 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 swear at uh you know brad marchand and charlie mcavoy and and those guys it's just such a funny phenomenon to just have to flip it you know right yeah. right to someone and um yeah i don't know like i i uh i've, I've always told her like how, how much like we respect the bruins as islander fans and stuff and i um you know that's always like oh yeah like that's the gold standard for what we're trying mm-hmm. to do is to play like them and uh and stuff but uh yeah maybe who knows who knows what happens maybe Islanders just sweep, get it over with quick, rip the bandaid <laughs> off, and we get divorced or something. But like it's fine. But I'm, um, yeah. So that's funny. It's a complicated uh, situation in in an already complicated situation. I had a friend who always said, "Great advice." This is a more great advice. He said, "Never do sketchy shit while you're doing sketchy shit." And this is <laughs> this is a complicated situation in an already complicated situation. Yes. Situation. Yes. And uh, and I got to tell you, I'm very very thankful that. In the words of the Impractical Jokers, I'm glad this is not me. Like, <laughs> this is, this is my, my wife, this is not, that's not her thing. I mean, I, we, she's watched a lot of bad hockey games over the course of our marriage with this stupid team. And, and I've watched a lot of uh, Spanish TV shows because she's a Spanish <laughs> teacher. And so she, she wants to watch these things. And I'm like, no, no, put it on, put it on. She's like, you sure you don't mind? I'm like, no, I don't care. Put it on. It's fine. I've made you watch it. And I've also watched a ton of like Real Housewives shows too, which are, you know, kind of can, can, 
drive a person crazy to be perfectly honest but but then you end up getting into them but uh yeah you know it, it's funny too i hadn't thought about it but like this is a little bit like a situation with the devils which we've talked about which is like the Islanders and devils don't really have much of a rivalry because they've never played each other when they've both been good you know they're the one playoff scenario that happened with the two of them was in 1988 and it was essentially the end of the dynasty because that's when dennis podvan retired and the devils went on this sort of miracle run they were you know the first time in the playoffs and so it's a little bit like with the bruins too they haven't played the bruins in the playoffs since 83 yeah there's always that new york boston thing but i don't know if they're really people it's really different feel that it's, way yeah, yeah it's, it's very different it's like and it's and uh it's you know, the enemy of your enemy is your friend thing. Like with, yeah. especially with the devils, like there, we need to beat the flyers for, and Rangers. Right. For them. Rangers. And, yeah. Right. Yeah, like, and so. it's the same kind of thing with the Bruins. Like they're, you know, it's, it's, it is hard to believe they haven't played in the playoffs in 40 years. Um, well, well, again, which, the Bruins were good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Islanders yeah, were not. Yeah, that's very true. And um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it is, it's, it is like a funny thing like that, but I, I guess like, um it's it's similar like these things do uh, we make fun of canadian media for being like oh like these two teams need to meet in the playoff because that's a great that'll be a great rivalry like a rivalry will be born but like i guess that's how these things do kind of become things like it's the islanders the the maple leafs hatred hatred goes way beyond john Tavares. like I still want a piece of Darcy, Darcy Tucker. Like I still do. And right. the Penguins thing goes way beyond whatever, 2019 or whatever. It goes to sure. Dave Folick. It goes to the Islanders pushing them to the brink in 2013. Sure. And the fight well, the capitals goes way beyond yeah. Alexander Ovechkin. Like, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so like these things do have these, these ways of, of getting started, but yeah, I just, I, I, it's uh it'll be a weird week. And if that rivalry does start, like I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, it'll be fun to watch Uncle Leo and Brad Marchand together. That's, <laughs> sure that's actually thrilled. <laughs> that is going to be the, the funniest little thing because you know the, the, the maybe that's Barry Barry Trotz has been playing the long game with Leo on the first line because he's like, mm. you know, if we play the Bruins in the playoffs, they're going to try to match Bergeron against Barzell, and I'm going to need Leo to go up against Marshy. Wow, that's you know I hadn't thought about it until this very moment. That's pretty wild, and we know the history, and we know that. Yeah, wow. we know that Brad Marchand's tongue has spent time on Leo Komarov's cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Those two are definitely. There's definitely going to be some sort of brawl, like, and I could, you know, I think that yeah, I think Marchand is already like. They're, they're what is this a, idiot going to try and do to me? <laughs> there are two type of people that I can see in like, you know, ten years from now, whatever. If if Instagram's still a thing, like the two of them taking a picture together and just like yeah. having a laugh, you know, the, the, right. that's like the, that's the type of rivalry I feel like they have is like. Um, yeah. And speaking well, of that, like, like, I do want to say one thing about Uncle Leo. Like when Jake Gensel went down from that, whatever, that little wrist, wristing, I guess you can call mm. it, because it was, definitely wasn't elbowing <laughs> that you were talking about. Uh, Leo was just giving Gensel the business for like 30 <laughs> seconds after that play. And then after the uh, and the horn sounded, he went and sought him out again. It was great. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but I, I can totally see that too, like them playing golf. Like Billy Smith and, and Lanny McDonald, like they had that famous fight in the seventies and now they like play golf together and stuff. So I, I could totally see that happening, but, but that's another situation for another time for now. They are enemies. Uh, the Bruins are our enemies. You and Emily will have to figure that whole situation out on your own. Yeah. Who, who's, who's enemy. Uh, that's a figured out, but uh should be a good one and it should be. Yeah. I think, I think a rivalry will probably get started. We'll probably hate all those guys uh, coming up, but uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll have to see where it goes. It's it's uh, it feel it would feel weird for me to hate Patrice Bergeron, who's just such a great guy, and Pastor Mac and his Dunkin' Donuts commercials. But uh, I'm sure it'll happen. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay, so thanks everybody for listening. I uh, hope you have a great Friday. Hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, again, game one Saturday night, eight o'clock on NBC should be uh, a marquee matchup, and uh, I'm sure that uh, you know the. Uh, broadcast crew will be up and up and familiar with all their Islanders uh, information that uh, won't make them sound like they've never heard of this team uh, at all. because <laughs> that never happens. Um, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Listen, if you haven't already, to PT Isles with Joe and Noel. They, they both had a lot of sort of life upheaval. Congratulations to Joe and his family for getting their new house. Uh, the first half is about, you know, game six, but the second half is is all about what's been going on and, and some really uh, fun discussions about uh, the Bridgeport Islanders and so on and so forth. So check that out if you haven't already. And uh, we'll be back, I guess, after game one, or we'll, we'll try and figure, I guess game two will be Tuesday, but we'll have to figure something out. Uh, what is your Twitter handle and where can people read you on Twitter? The Big Lee Basky with two E's. Check out Mike at the Big Lee Basky with two E's. Read his work at the Action Network. Still plenty of money out there to be had <laughs> this year, uh, this playoff series and uh, new favorites and, and underdogs being found all the time. So do that. And uh, we'll talk to you, uh, I don't know, after this uh, series has gotten started. Thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did? Looking like a true